what I try to encourage my colleagues is to embrace that difference, to look for diversity of experiences and perspectives to inform how decisions are actually made. Welcome to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast featuring conversations with leaders of the energy transition, hosted by Smart Energy Decisions founder, John Fiella. In each episode of Smart Energy Voices, John digs deep with industry movers and shakers to reveal insights you can learn from in their stories, personalities, and visions for the future. All right, let's dive in. Hi, everyone. I'm John Fiella, and welcome to the first episode of Smart Energy Voices. I'm excited about kicking off our first season with an inspiring conversation with Rose McKinney James on inspiring diversity in energy, which took place at our recent Renewable Energy Sourcing Forum. Rose is Managing Principal of Energy Works LLC and McKinney James & Associates. In addition to an extensive career in the energy industry, Rose is one of five women of color featured in a book that I highly recommend titled The Energy Within Us. Our conversation covered Rose's dramatic impact on the renewable energy market in Nevada and the unique challenges she faced as a woman of color in the energy industry throughout her career. The conversation speaks for itself, so let's get to it. Rose, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, John. I'm happy to be here. Many who are dialing in, Rose, know about you and they know about your work and your accomplishments, but I suspect there are a good number who really don't know that much about you. Could you please take a minute to tell us about yourself and some of your current activities, which are quite numerous? I describe myself as an advocate. I'm based here in Las Vegas, Nevada. I have been an advocate supporting clean energy and climate policy and energy efficiency over a number of years, and maybe more years than I care to share at this point. But I've also been privileged to serve as a utility commissioner here in the state of Nevada. But most recently, my work has been focused on serving as a lobbyist at the state legislature to advance policies that support renewable energy and energy efficiency. But I started my career after law school, actually working in D.C. with a focus on community economic development and workforce diversity. I had internships with the Department of Labor. I had an internship with a very prominent member of Congress, and I worked for a while with the D.C. city government. So I've had experience on the public side of the equation in local, state and federal government. And I think all of that helped to provide the foundation for the work that I do today. And my consulting practice is focused on working with entities that have a special interest in energy policy, uh, whether or not they themselves are an energy intensive company or whether or not they are supportive of these policies from a project standpoint. So I've been very fortunate over these many years, and I continue to enjoy my work, and it reinvents itself and sort of reinvents me as we move forward. That's great. It's a really rich and robust track record and career. 
you seem to have found yourself, Rose, in the middle of some of the most important events that have taken place in Nevada related to the deployment of renewable energy. You were involved in the development of the first renewable energy portfolio standard. You were in the middle of board discussions at MGM when they decided to write that famous $87 million check to sever ties with Envy Energy. Take us behind the scenes and tell us a little bit about your involvement in both of those seminal moments in Nevada renewable energy history. Wow. I have to say, on the whole, really pretty awesome opportunities to participate. And on reflection, I think starting with the RPS really gave us an opportunity to establish an important baseline, a placeholder, if you will, because we did this in 1997. And the passage of the RPS occurred during a pretty tumultuous time, the Western energy crisis, and a conversation within our state legislature around deregulation. And that was during my tenure as a chief executive officer for CSTAR, which was the Corporation for Solar Technology and Renewable Resources. It was a perfect time for us to try to stand up some policy. And the opportunity to leverage the significant resources, renewable resources in Nevada, was the power play that I think, and pun intended, that we decided to, to pursue. Behind the scenes, I think the most important work was around putting together a coalition, a coalition of active voices. These were voices that might be referred today as influencers, sans the social media platform. So it included industry, the environmental community, conservation representatives, the consumer advocate for the state, the Union of Concerned Scientists, some would say, you know, fairly eclectic group of advocates, but a group coming together around a common theme, which was that we needed to diversify our energy portfolio. And I think we made a pretty formidable block of advocates. And it didn't hurt that when we walked into the hearing to present our amendment, which was subsequently approved, I had in my hand a letter that was co-signed by both of our U.S. senators, which included the signature of Senator Harry Reid. So it was really a pretty powerful moment. I think that blend of experts and advocates helped me as I decided to pursue more directly a career post-C-STAR around this advocacy. And I found myself running for public office, ran and lost a race to a governor here in the state. And uh, while I was in the midst of adjusting myself from that experience, I received this remarkable offer to become a member of a public board, and that was Mandalay Resort Group. That experience transitioned when MGM Resorts acquired Mandalay, and I was the only director asked to or invited to join that board. And I think, based on a conversation that I had with the founding principal behind MGM, Kurt Corin, his questions to me were all related to my work in clean energy. He really wanted to know more about solar energy. He was intrigued by it. So there was, I think, a linkage to that work and my opportunity to work with MGM. So if we fast forward, understanding that this is a major publicly traded company, they were making a very important business decision. Their customers, their employees, their stakeholders were asking, 
why people in the industry weren't more active in securing renewable resources and advancing their sustainable platform. And the leadership of the company decided that it was time for us to pursue this. And so we engaged in conversations with our investor-owned utility. You mentioned it's in the energy. We simply were not able to come to terms. The company decided that it was important for us to move forward. And so we decided, and this is after approaching the legislature, initiating a process and then abandoning a process much earlier to leave the system, we decided to move forward. And it was really a historic decision. It was a critical business decision to depart the system and to procure our generation independent of our incumbent electric utility. So the context is that MGM is probably the largest taxpayer in the state. We're one of the largest employers and we're certainly amongst the largest customers for energy in the state. So this was a landmark decision on many levels. I served as a member of the board of directors. I served as the chair of the committee with oversight for that corporate social responsibility committee. And I was very pleased to be a part of that decision. Very pleased because I think it put an emphasis on the need and opportunity for the business community to step up and step forward. And I think interestingly, both of these events were fairly pivotal in the evolution of clean energy policy in the state and the West and maybe beyond. Well, listen, that's fantastic. And those events had a tremendous impact. I talk regularly about how there was before the check and after that check. (laughs) That check changed the world because it really got the attention of the utility industry. And it made utilities around the country say, hey, if it happened to NV Energy, could it happen to me? And I think that's when utilities really started to take corporate interest in renewables seriously. So that was super. And it's just, it's great to have you share that that story with us. But let's talk about really the, the core of this session. And that's inspiring diversity in energy. The Wall Street Journal did a study on various industry sectors and ranked the energy industry 10th out of 11 industries measured for their efforts in diversity. So there's a lot of work to do. I recently wrote a column themed inspiring diversity and energy, and we're committed to really trying to make a a change and help advance diversity in the industry. I read your chapter, Rose, in the book, The Energy Within Us, this is a great book, and I really recommend it to everyone. You've accomplished so much in the industry. What has it been like to be a woman of color in the energy industry? Well, John, first, thank you so much. I thank you on behalf of all my co-authors. This was a, a labor of love, and it actually gave me an opportunity to reflect, I think, more directly on my own experience, which I do articulate in some measure in, in my chapter of the book. But I have to say, until relatively recently, I describe it as being lonely, isolating, and actually a bit frustrating. And it's it's hard and overwhelming in many instances to be the first. It is hard to be the only. There's a feeling of exposure. You, on occasion, feel dismissed and maybe undervalued. But I think I've been fortunate because I have typically had a title. I have been in a leadership position. 
And that has given me an opportunity to balance things a, a little more. But I can't say that it hasn't been, been stressful. I think I've just really been fortunate to be imbued with this notion that I have an obligation to make others aware, sort of power through this. And collectively, as you read about the backgrounds of my co-authors, you see that we all come from different aspects of the industry, but there is a very common thread around what it feels like to be a woman of color in the energy industry. I know in your in your book, you reference what it was like dealing with principally a male world and principally a white male world, and that I can't begin to imagine what that must have been like. What were the biggest challenges that you faced as a woman of color in, in the energy industry? As I've said, I think it's challenging to overcome this feeling of invisibility. It's sort of baked in with sexism and more than a tinge of racism. The ability to find some solidarity with others on other levels. So I, the challenge for me was to, to work around some of the subtle things, the unspoken, the microaggressions, the invisible outrage sometimes that I had to internalize for not being included or feeling that my opinions or my perspectives were not being adequately considered. Those are significant challenges and they are very personal in nature, though they clearly flow to the professional side. When you were surrounded by people who tend to think alike and you are the different person, no matter what you say, you are seen through a lens of being different. When I try to encourage my colleagues who are more open in their thinking is to embrace that difference, to look for diversity of experiences and per perspectives to inform how decisions are actually made. Rose, I have to tell you from reading the chapter in the book, on you and from this conversation, what's really striking me is this combination of grace and strength that kind of forge together to make you succeed as you have and overcome the obstacles that you have. So it's, it's really great to see and hear your story. In looking forward, what do you think it'll take to achieve a more appropriate representation of people of color in the energy industry? I think I, I refer to this as the all-in strategy. It's an all-in strategy, and I think it is a necessity because a current national conversation around systemic racism is hitting our country and I think hitting this industry very, very hard. We've been very busy growing as an industry, overcoming our own challenges, uh, fighting policy battles, dealing with the economic implications. But now I think it's important for us to turn our attention to building strong organizations that represent all of our stakeholders. And that means embracing what I call, and others who are like-minded, we focus on the people, we focus on procurement, and we focus on philanthropy, the investment component. So the identification of people 
requires expanding your network, taking an uncomfortable step to have an uncomfortable conversation and being very intentional in your outcomes, outcomes that can be measured. It's the outreach. It's taking that first step that I think is important and staying within your strategic goals, looking at it to see how your organization lines up, thinking about this through the same lens. I mean, this is, we're talking about the energy industry. We're all focused on resilience. We're focused on affordability, or we should be. And to the extent that that is an issue that we face in the communities where we want to conduct business, the way to do that is to make sure that our organizations reflect the communities where we conduct business. So taking that step, making a plan, being intentional, and focused on outcomes that improve the lives of your people, that think more creatively around procurement decisions and who you procure from and the people who participate in that, and then how you invest, how you show up in the communities where you do work. I think those are three things that if taken in a serious fashion through the business lens will make a huge difference in how we move forward to address these and other important issues facing the industry. Well, Rose, that's very thoughtful and, and sound advice. And thank you for that. Unfortunately, you know, we're limited by this 20 minute segment here. And we, I feel like there are so many things I want to get into with you, but I guess we'll have to continue the conversation at another time. We have to get a plug in for Abe. We have to. The American Association of Blacks and Energy, your former chairperson. We were introduced to them in Philadelphia by the Philadelphia Energy Authority. Great organization. We support them. I recommend that those listening in the call look into it because there are chapters all around the country. Look into Abe as a group and get this book, The Energy Within Us. Rose, we're also going to make a contribution in your honor to Abe's Educational Foundation. And it's uh, for my way of thinking, it's all about education, and that's the least that, that we can do. We'll also be including sessions on inspiring diversity and energy at our event in September and event in December. We're going to keep the conversation going. We're going to try to make a change. John, I cannot thank you enough. I thank you for your support. I thank you for your willingness to be an active participant in this, and I thank you for the opportunity to join you today. Well, thank you. The pleasure is ours, and, and we're honored to have you a part of the Renewable Energy Sourcing Forum. Thank you, Rose. We're extremely grateful for the opportunity to have this exclusive and inspiring conversation with Rose McKinney-James. We're committed to continuing the conversation on inspiring diversity and energy at future Smart Energy Decisions events. If you'd like a copy of The Energy Within Us, I will be sending a complimentary copy to the first 15 people that email me at john at smartenergydecisions.com. More information on the book, The Energy Within Us, and Rose can be found in the show notes. To our listeners, thanks for engaging with our content and being a part of the Smart Energy Decisions community. We're very excited about the first season that we've put together of Smart Energy Voices and hope 
Each episode will help you continue to grow within the industry. If you enjoyed this special episode, please subscribe to the podcast and tell your colleagues and peers in the industry about it. Thanks for listening to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast. Digest the insights from today's episode and take action on the ideas that have inspired you. Join us every Friday for conversations with smart energy leaders. We also invite you to check out another SED podcast, Beyond the Meter. Each episode of Beyond the Meter features innovative energy projects and initiatives by large electric power users. To keep up to date with trends and happenings in the energy transition, visit smartenergydecisions.com to register for our daily newsletter and become part of the Smart Energy Decisions community. 